What would our world be without leaders, innovators, and kingdom builders? Welcome to Under the Crown, where you get inside the twisted minds of our host, Trey Carmichael, and the kings and queens in his circle. Covering leadership, marketing, sales, recruiting, management, and so much more. Under the Crown is here to help you build your kingdom. Are you prepared for the siege? What's going on, guys? It's your man here, Trey Carmichael, coming at you with another episode of Under the Crown. Today, I'm excited to, br- to bring you guys my man, Mark, from Captivate.fm. Uh, in my opinion, this is one of the best podcasting hosts available on the market. So I'm happy to have you here today, Mark. Well, that's very kind, mate. Thank you. Yeah, good to be, uh, glad to be around. Glad to be doing this. I appreciate the kind words. Awesome, man. So if you had to describe yourself to somebody, who are you and what do you do? I'm a hyper obsessive geek that spends a lot of time doing the things that he enjoys. And that's pretty much it, actually. Awesome, man. Well, let's dive into your King's journey. How did you actually become the man that you are today? Oh, that's a that's a long story. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different inflection points, I think, in, in, in many people's lives. And I don't think mine's any different. There's a lot through childhood, a lot through teenage years, formative years, through working careers, but um you know, I think that the sort of short version of that is that, you know, brought up in a in an area with, without that much opportunity, but brought up in a um, a lifestyle without you know that much abundance of wealth. Um, didn't really follow the, the the traditional path. Always found school pretty easy. Um, not not I'm not a, an extremely smart guy, but smart enough for things to be pretty easy. Um, didn't do college. Didn't do uni. Went out sort of the whole job scenario because I, I you know i thought that, that, that having money around me would be better because I, uh, I i was used to not having it um ended up earning a lot of money really really young and walked away from it because it wasn't actually the thing that i wanted it was it was it was actually it was the the, the sort of um having good money and when i say good money i mean money that you earn the right way on your terms is far better than having a lot of the wrong type of money uh, which is a lesson that I learned pretty early, which led me to 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 building my own thing, you know, building agencies, building tech startups, uh, right through to sort of getting these tech startups acquired um, and, and continuing to work in the companies that acquired them um, as, as a sort of exec, which is which is where I am now. So yeah, there's a lot more we could dig into, you know, the the specifics, but that's the that's the high level. Awesome, man. So going from a place where you didn't necessarily come up with any real amount of money to making all of that money and then giving it up? Like, what were those mindset shifts like? I don't think it was a mindset shift. And I think that's the interesting thing is I I think I thought it was going to be a mindset shift, but it wasn't Um, because I've done it. I did a TEDx talk about this. It's called choose happiness, choose control. Um, And that was was the premise of of this TEDx talk was that it wasn't the mindset that I thought I had was one of needing more money. And when I got more money, I realized that I'd, I, the mindset hadn't changed. I just misread the mindset. I'd misinterpreted it, which I think is a, a a real lesson sometimes. You know, you seek the thing that you thought was the thing that you wanted when you were younger. And uh, actually, when you get it, it's, it's not the thing. 
that you really wanted. It, it, it's, it, it might be the, it might be an enabler. So as an example for me, you know, I, I thought that having a little bit more money would give me more control over my life. You know, I've always, I've always said to myself, whenever I have children, I, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss a, a school concert or a school football practice or whatever, just because, you know, my boss tells me that I can't go because, you know, nine to five or whatever. And I thought that earning all the money young and, and, and having consulting jobs and whatever would give me that control, but it's the exact opposite. I realized that when I went back to actually having control through building my own businesses and having far less money, the control was the natural state for me, you know, having that ability to say, do you know what, actually, I am going to do this or I'm going to do that or I'm going to do this without someone telling me I can't do it. The money then followed that. So it was that misinterpretation. It, was, it, it, it wasn't it was a change in mindset. It was purely the fact that I just misunderstood it. As I think you do when you're a bit younger, um, a lot of people chase, <laughs> it's weird, a lot of people chase entrepreneurship like that's the goal. Whereas actual entrepreneurs don't care whether they're called entrepreneurs or not. They're too busy building things and making money and enjoying the life. So it's, you know, that, I think that's a big, big mindset subtlety. If that, uh, if that makes sense. Awesome, man. That's, that's really a very powerful thing. Cause that's not something that most people are talking about. Everybody's at the end of the day, everybody's talking about that. They need to make a million dollars in 30 days that they're, you know, one funnel away from that seven figures, all these different things. When at the end of the day, it's really just that freedom and certainty that all of us are striving for. Oh yeah. And I, I think this is the thing that you've got to look at, you know, um, the, the people that are selling you the, the funnel courses and the, you know, 10 X this, and you know, you know, that, you know, you know, the drill, you know, the, the people that are selling those things are selling those things because, they need to sell them to make their money. Where, like, when was the last time you saw Richard Branson sell you that? When was the last time you saw Bill Gates or someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, someone that is hyper successful in what they do through sheer focus and willpower and, 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 and relationships? They don't need to do that. So you, you have to be obsessed with the thing that you're do, doing. Not like, I know so many quote-unquote entrepreneurs, and I really am doing big-ass air quotes when I say that, that all they do at conferences or on podcasts or on videos, they'll just say, yeah, you know, here's my tried and tested. I'm going to give you instant access to my tried and tested, you know, my black button method that no one is teaching you, but acts now because it's $47 down from two grand and it's for today only. Like it's, it's old, it's old crap, man. It's old crap. And, and the thing is the people that are genuinely making the genuine money and that are genuinely doing the right type of work are the people that don't talk about it. I, I always equate this to um, going to the gym, all right, or training or any, any kind of personally, personally developed focused activity. Okay. So take your pick training at the gym, doing, you know, training for a marathon, learning to get better at golf, learning guitar, whatever. Right. If you do those things after every workout, let's use the gym as an example. All right. After every workout, you post a gym selfie. After every prepared meal, you put yourself a picture of that meal on there, you know, with all your macros, all of your dietary um, information on there. You're doing that for the thing that those pictures bring, which is the satisfaction that you get, albeit very fleetingly from people saying and seeing it and saying, well, you know, well done. If you think about it the other way, if I keep my head down and practice, 
All right. And if I go to the gym every day and if in six months time, all my macros have added up and I've trained hard and I've, I've continued to push my PBs forward in six months time, someone just says to me, wow, you're looking great. How much more effective and powerful is that for the ego for the long term? than having to continually keep posting these things. And it's the same in business. It's the same in, in anything that you try and achieve. If someone is trying to sell you a quick win method or a guaranteed thing or the one thing that will change your life, it's rare that that it will actually work because it, it, nothing in life is made up of one thing. You know, oxygen is, is just one constituent piece of our living. Without water, we would be nothing. You know, all of these chemical compounds that make up the air that we breathe wouldn't, if it wasn't for that exact mix, it wouldn't matter. And this is the point in life, in entrepreneurship, in business. It's never the one thing. It's always a mixture and it's the right mixture, the right combination at the right time. So I, I, I do think there's a lot of, um, uh, what's the word? There's a lot of authenticity that is being lost because everyone is trying to be authentic. Because authenticity these days is just not a thing that people are used to. They're used to what authenticity has become, which is a marketing tactic. So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I and mean, I could go on about this for a long time because I've seen it in so many places. But, yeah, uh, this fascinates me. I mean, it's a very, it's a very fascinating premise. And, and it's something that I've been watching happen for a while is everybody's preaching all this authenticity, 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 that. But once it turns into your marketing campaign at what point does it stop being authentic at what point do you stop being you even though it's still your so-called authentic stories and stuff tied into the message like i don't think it's possible for anybody to remain in their authentic self if they're just constantly making sales pitches and all that yeah i agree i, I think when when authenticity becomes the sales tool that's when it becomes a problem Authenticity should be a branding exercise. And the easiest way that you can brand things and the easiest way that you can maintain a good quality brand is by genuinely being yourself. And that sounds cliched and it sounds obvious and it sounds like it should be in a you know $47 ebook that someone downloads. Uh, but it, it is true. If, if, you, if you have to try to be authentic and then use that authenticity as a sales tool, or even if you are genuinely living the way that you say you are. And when I talk about that, what I mean is that I know that I know quote unquote entrepreneurs that will go online and they'll post Instagram posts of their morning routine, all the meditation that they do, all the vitamins, the supplements that they do, all of these, you know, meal replacement drinks, because guess what? You can save three minutes if you don't eat food and just, just take a shake. You know, I know people that do all that and post it online because they want you to be inspired by them. But in real life, they don't take the vitamins because they forget. They don't do the meditation because they got up late. And it, they've got to get back to that later. And so what I mean is that if you're trading on authenticity, if you are pretending to be authentic, then it becomes a job. And just like any job for anyone that is a quote unquote entrepreneur, you will get bored of it because we don't like jobs. So the only way to, to make authenticity work is to be brutally authentic. But the problem is if you're brutally authentic, most people won't like you. And that's good because most people don't buy our product. Most people don't do what we do. We don't want most people. We want our people. And that might be 1% of 1%, you know? And, but it's really hard to get to those people, which doesn't sell ebooks. It doesn't sell courses or funnel formulas or any of that crap. 
So genuine authenticity is difficult, which is why you find, in my opinion, more people that don't sell based on their authenticity are generally doing better. And most people that use authenticity successfully are building things around their authenticity. All right. So very kindly at the beginning of this interview, you said Captivate is one of the, the, the best podcast hosting platforms out there. Do you know why that is? And this is, you know, this is, this is a, a, a genuine straight truth. It's because when we, when we started building it for the first few years, we didn't listen to anyone, no one at all, because I've done 15, 1600 podcast episodes and so have all the team members and, we just we built it for us authentically we we you know we just wanted it to be us and we we had the same tone of voice as me you know if someone says well captivate you know we, i don't like captivate for this reason that's okay that's you know there, there are others that's fine and i think if you can live to that authenticity and you build something where you make your money around the authenticity not from your authenticity then it's much more sustainable because I could move now, right? I could move into real estate. I could move into um, building other things in tech. And I'd build them the same way. I'd do real estate in the same way. By talking to people the same way, by being as straight talking as I am, by being as honest as I am, by being as transparent as I am, and, and almost to a fault, you know, turning down most people to work with because if I work with that person, I can't pick my kid up at 3 p.m. because they're going to need me at 3.30, you know? So I think what I'm trying to get at here is that the authenticity was one of those things that was used as, as a personal branding buzz phrase when, when communications online became more, more prevalent. Now it's just moved into that state of being just another nah, it's just another thing that is used to sell you know the 97 books courses so yeah again i could go i could go on for a long time about that but i think you've got to be careful with with where you put your money you know we live in a, a very expensive world now things are very difficult and you know if you're wanting to 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 leave your job and say to yourself well actually i want to i want to do something for myself and you've only got a grand to put into that, you know, I can invest a thousand bucks in myself. And with that grand, I've got to learn how to make the next grand. You've got to be really careful where you put that money because, you know, it, it, it's, it's finite. It's finite. And that's one of the big reasons why I think with a lot of entrepreneurs, that whole, you know, well, if you've got a plan B, you don't believe in your plan A. Like that's absolute BS. You know, it's dangerous. Um, and, 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 you know, th that's why the military has plan B's and plan C's because it's common sense. It's logic. It's not that you don't believe in yourself. It's that, you know, plan for the worst and hope for the best. So yeah, like I said, I could go on about that for a long time, but it's, that, that's the, that's the shtick. <laughs> Absolutely, man. We definitely could go on about that forever because it's something that's running rampant in the space, but I want to take an opportunity to dive in a little bit more on the journey of building Captivate. I know that you said that it all came from y'all being super authentic and wanting to build exactly what y'all wanted as podcasters. But initially I wanna ask like, what was it about podcasts 
that served you on your journey and made you want to go all in on creating a, on creating a platform where people could podcast effectively? Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. Um, I was, I'm a big geeky sort of guy. I love pop culture stuff. I'm fascinated by storytelling. And, um, so I, I, I read a lot of books. I, I read a lot of comics back as, uh, you know, probably actually still pretty recently, um, watch a lot of movies, just enjoy a lot of, you know, the art of storytelling. Um, when I, I ran my agency at a very successful digital and, and, and design agency where we were building products for other people, you know, tech products. And I was, um, I did a lot of startup mentoring in this sort of software as a service space in London. So those three things came together because I was, I was sort of, I was tired of my agency. I didn't want to work in that agency anymore because it was all service based. And, you know, it, it, as you can tell, I, I don't suffer fools gladly. And you, you know, you were often pitching to an IT manager that didn't have a clue what he was, he was trying to buy. Um, so what, what, what I did was I started, I started telling well, I started getting into audio to talk about the things that I loved around storytelling. So comic books, movies, TV shows. I did that with a friend of mine. And I just loved this unchained nature of podcasting. And then what we've just spoken about, that sort of authenticity side of things and that straight talking side of things, that made me realize that actually I could probably talk about certain business things because I'm seeing a lot of BS out there. I'm getting a lot of questions asked of me. You know, I'm getting people say to me, you know, you run a tiny agency in the middle of a mining town in the north of England. How are you working with the Art Directors Club in New York? And, 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 and you know, it was answering those questions. What it's like we are doing here that I realized I could, I could probably take that a step further and put that into some content form and, 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 and be quite open and honest about the way that I talked about it and not dress it up and not try. Because do you know what, man? I got nothing to sell. I don't want to sell anything. I don't want to be a quote unquote entrepreneur. I never have been. I don't want to sell you a course. Don't care about your funnels. I don't, I'm not interested in selling you something. All right. But I, I, I build things. So that gave me this ability to be really open and honest. So when I started podcasting, I mean, this is a long time ago now, over a decade ago, I was, um, I was pretty frustrated with some of the things that were out there. You know, I mean, it was in a very early, early state anyway, which I think podcasting, I mean, we are still in an early state in terms of an industry, but obviously 10 years ago, it was much, much different as a landscape. And I couldn't, there was a couple of tech gaps that I thought I could fill because I built tech products. That's what I did. Um, so we built a, a WordPress management platform, which is still running. It's, 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 it's revolutionized a lot of other businesses in the space who, who followed suit after the fact. Um, we built another tech startup, which we've still got an interaction tech startup in, in podcasting. And we built the hosting platform and all of these things, Captivate included and, and Captivate being the one that most people know us for, they were all built just because I just loved it. You know, I, I love, I loved the fact that I was able to say to someone, if you, Trey, want to tell your story and if you want to get out there and, and if you want to put your no BS message out into the world, why, you know, you don't have to jump through all these hoops, just use this platform that we've built. And, you know, most of the features are built there because I'm lazy and I want time saving features. So probably save you time as well. And that's, I think that's why I got addicted to it. That ability to be, you know, genuinely yourself and attract the percentage of people that enjoy that. And then that ability to let other people do that. You know, there are so many people, we see it every day, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, Bob, he, he, Bruce and Bob, that they, they run uh, Whitetail Rendezvous. And, and they, you know, these guys are in their early 80s and they've got a hell of a lot to say. 
But our tech makes it easy, whereas before they couldn't do it because it was all too complex. And and that that's why I love it, man. That's why I love it. I love that, man. So when you were building that initial product for the podcast industry, allowing people to make their podcast websites, did you know that that was going to turn into a full-on podcast host and what it is today? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we had, well... What's the better way to rephrase this? It was 70% certain that it was going to do because we had we already had podcast hosting in there. We built it in. Um, so we had everything there and we, we delivered it as an all-in-one web platform. And what, what started to happen was we had, we always put a focus on service. You know, I, I, we, I genuinely believe we revolutionized customer service in the podcast tech industry because everyone had to be as good as us. And frankly, the reason that we were so good is just because we we were there. You know, we were, we, I'm a, like I said, I'm a pretty helpful, open and honest guy. And so is Kieran, my co-founder and Lester, the, our first employee who's still with us to this day. Um, we, 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 we got so many people because of that level of service and, and not, we weren't doing anything special. We were just being people, you know, rather than it being a, a, a really kind of what's the word stuffy condescending process, which a lot of old hosting companies were and are, you know, we, if you came onto our tech support and it was like, you know, I'm really struggling to do this. We're just like, you know, I'm really sorry about that. That is a, that is a complete pain in the ass. I understand. Let me fix it. And here's how you, how, here's how you do it next time. You know, are you good? And it was just that openness, that, that real honesty. So then people said to us, well, you know, we've already got a website. We don't need a website. We're already whatever, a, a brand, a company, a blue chipper, an enterprise or a, you know, a business person. But we want that service and we want that interface because it's easier than what we've got. Do you, do, do you just do hosting? And thus, you know, Captivate was born. Um, so, yeah, we did build the hosting in initially, but it was always intended to be the all-in-one web platform. And we spun it out way after the fact because just honestly, because we've been around that many people, you know, we, 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 we used to do 10, 15 events per year across the world and listen to tens of thousands of people talking about podcasting. So it just, it became an inevitability, you know? Absolutely, man. So as the creator of the platform that frankly has so many features at this point, is there a feature on Captivate that you think is just underused that podcasters should be leveraging more? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, there, for me, there are always different workflows with any platform, including Captivate. So you might be, you know, you might be the, the, the guest interviewing podcaster like this, which is wonderful. Um, and, and I think that workflow, just using this example would be, you know, use Captivate's integrated guest book and connect it to your Cal, um, generate your show notes automatically using the dynamic show notes builder and use your episode planner to, 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 to generate all your planning and send that to your guest. Like that entire workflow is underused because people are still using Calendly. People are still using like Notion or Evernote for their, their show notes. Um, so I think it's that kind of workflow that, that we've built that don't get me wrong. A lot of people use it, but it's always, it takes time for people to think, well, actually I'm going to stop using this platform that I've used for three years to book my interviews and I'm going to move to the one integrated to my host. So I think the guest booking stuff and the dynamic show notes builder. Um, but I think for the general podcasting population, because our, our goal is to help the serious podcast creator. It's not to help everyone. We don't have a free plan. You know, go somewhere else if you want free. Um, we that's not what we do. If you're serious about your growth, that's why we are here. And I'm saying that because I think every podcaster using any platform should be using some sort of dynamic content insertion to cross-promote things. So our our Amy audio monetization and integration engine, 
that that should be in use on 99% of podcasts, I think, just because it makes just makes promotion so easy. Awesome, man. So who should actually consider starting a podcast and why? In your Well, the reason not to start a podcast is if you want to make money. Um, you know, can you make money in podcasting? Yeah, but I can make money playing golf. Am I going to get there? Probably not. And it's the same in everything. Play guitar. Can I make money playing guitar? Yeah, but it's a slog. So podcasting has got this weird rap, you know, it's the quote unquote golden age of podcasting. Um, and everyone thinks you should do it to make money. Everyone thinks it's a, it's a free ride to exploding your audience. If I see one more advert from, um, I won't mention a name, but uh, from an entrepreneur that says that he can 10x everything by get, making you guest on podcasts or giving you, he's got another advert, which is I will launch you a top 100 podcast in just eight weeks or your money back. And it's like, it costs a fortune. And, uh, you know, I think you and me could launch a top 100 podcast by about 4 p.m. today, mate. So I think the first thing that I will say is don't do it for those reasons, all right? Do it for the reasons that you would do anything else, all right? So let's break these things down. You either entertain or you educate with a podcast, all right? Or you do both. That's what you do. The reason you do it is either to build an audience, to sell your podcast to the audience. And what I mean by that is you become an Aaron Mankey and uh, so, you know, someone like a Jordan Harbinger and you build an audience and you sell that audience to advertisers and you make your money that way. All right. That's, that's the goal. Or the other goal, use the podcast, build awareness, sell them some other stuff. Get them into your funnels, you know, sell them whatever you want to sell them. They're the only two reasons that you build a podcast and that you do a podcast and educating, educating and entertaining are the only two ways that you can make a podcast. All right. You've got to be realistic. What do you want to do? The people that should start a podcast are those people that understand the answers to those questions. I want to do this. I want to create a podcast that will build my audience so that I can sell stuff to that audience that I create myself. And that's the classic quote unquote entrepreneur thing. You know, I do podcast, I do a podcast, put a call to action and I get people on a list and I sell them stuff through my email list. Cool. Whatever that works. The other side of that coin is that if you, a lot of people do this wrong, if you fully intend on getting sponsors for your podcast, then treat your podcast like something that can be monetized. All right. You wouldn't work four hours a week on a business and expect it to pay your bills. It's, it's, it's unreasonable. So it's, it's the same goes for the podcast, all right? So the people that should start a podcast are the people that are fully clear on what they want to do and understand what it takes to do what they want to do, okay? Everyone's got something to say. Everyone has got something that they want to say. Everyone has got something that they want to hear. Everyone has got the talent to be able to do this because guess what? We can all have conversations. And even if you're an introvert or even if you're someone with, with, with disabilities, you, you always have a subset of people with whom you communicate. And podcasting can be that for you, all right? So I know that's a bit of a, bit of a bizarre answer, but the other set of people that should create a podcast are just people who want to, like, j just... I've got a Star Wars podcast. Is it going to make me any money? No. Do I get to go to comic cons? Yeah. Is it great because I sometimes get free stuff? Yeah. Do I geek out about it for 10 hours a week? Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, I just do it because they enjoy doing it. So I think you've got to understand that podcasting is not a, it's not the latest marketing trend that's going to boost your network. 
it's not the latest trend that's going to introduce you to quote unquote friends, you know, famous entrepreneur friends. You if you interview Gary Vee, he's not your friend. He's someone you've interviewed. All right. You can't put that on your website. There is your friend. That's what all the entrepreneurs do. It's stupid. And, and, and you've got to be honest, you're not going to build a network out anymore because everyone is doing it. 10 years ago, there wasn't many podcasts that were doing certain things. So the landscape's different now. It's not going to explode your influence. Getting celebrity guests on ain't going to boost your downloads. What it will do is it will give you a position. So yeah, they're the people that should do it. Those who are clear about what they want to do. Those who just love what they talk about and just want to talk about it. And those who want to create something that they can nurture and that they can build and that they can, for the long term, start to generate something from. I love the truth and the passion behind that answer, man. Uh, you can tell that it really is something that means the world to you. Thanks, man. It does. It does wind me up a lot of the um, a lot of the older advice, you know, which was valid back then. I don't want to poo-poo that too much, but you know, it's um, it's not the same landscape. A lot of people are talking about podcasting now in terms of what it was like ten years ago, or even five years ago. And the landscape shifted. Like, imagine talking about. You know, imagine imagine marketing for a cell phone is the same now as it was 10 years ago. It just, you, it wouldn't be, would it? It just simply wouldn't be because technology has moved. And it's, I think we've just got to understand that, you know, everything's moved. Absolutely. Everything is constantly moving. So I do have a couple more questions here for you, but I know we're coming up on that, uh, on that time mark that we had set. And I want to respect your time. Uh, do you have time for a couple more questions? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm good. Awesome, man. So one of the features on Captivate that has always stood out to me that I have not seen offered by many of the other hosts is the ability to actually start a podcast network. Who is that actually for, in your opinion? And what are the best ways that you've seen actual po podcast networks leveraged? Yeah, great question. So podcast networks, just for the uninitiated, are a collection of, of podcasts that work together to either monetize or promote or to otherwise you know, move each other forward. You know, that's the, the, the loose sort of interpretation of a podcast network. Now, a podcast network works really well in, in a couple of circumstances. Number one, you know, let's say I've got a, a podcast that, that speaks to leadership. You've got a podcast that speaks to leadership, and we've got five other friends that also have podcasts in that niche. You know, a podcaster listens to a number of podcasts per week. They can listen to yours. They can listen to mine. We aren't necessarily competing because there are more than one day in a week and there are, you know, people listen to multiple podcasts per day. So wouldn't it be cool if I told them about your show and they told, you know, they told their audience about my show and, and, and we had this cross communication and cross promotion. Well, we could network our shows together and we could do that. You know, that's cool. We've got automatic cross promotion, feed drops, analytics, and so on for that. Uh, the other circumstance is that, you know, you as Trey, you've got, you know, fantastic brand, you do, you do what you do. And you think to yourself, actually, my audience is saying to me, I love the interviews, but Trey, I want to hear more from you. Like the interviews are fantastic. Don't stop them. But what do you think about these certain topics? Because we look to you as the expert or actually Trey, wouldn't it be cool if you just did a short form podcast where it's a quick Q&A or, you know, whatever. The idea of a podcast network for yourself is that you can create multiple shows yourself 
network them together and benefit from cross promotion. So it's a great example of that. Let's say that you did uphold one of those podcast ideas that I just spoke about when you do a short form Q&A podcast alongside this one. When a new episode of that podcast comes out, you could drop a trailer of that new podcast into the feed of this podcast so that everyone listening to this podcast would see and say, wait a second, Trey's got a new show. This is pretty cool. I can just, all I have to do is listen to it here and I'll get everything that I need. So it works really well. Okay. It works really well for collecting shows together. And as a Captivate user, you know, you get the ability to, to, to look at network level analytics. So how's your entire network performing? What are the popular shows? What are the popular episodes? What are the trends? It's in my view, it's the most, or one of the most fundamentally underused methods of growing an audience that podcasters um, are generally unaware of. Man, I think so many more people could benefit from just creating their own network. I honestly think they could. Mm, absolutely, man. So is there anything that you wish you would have known when you, when you started the journey into software? Because as you know, you've served the SaaS industry quite a bit. And it is only, it's only becoming a growing hot button topic in the entrepreneur space. So what do you wish you would have known going into software development? Well, so here's the thing. I, I don't class myself as being in software development. I class myself as being in podcasting. And that's a big difference to what a lot of competitors of ours do. A lot of people in our space want to be known as the people that build software. We want to be known as the people that help podcasters. And that is a huge mm. branding and positioning differentiator. Um, so I, I never identify really as a SaaS founder, even though I sold a SaaS company and still manage that company and run it as part of a much bigger organization. You know, it, it to me, I always identify as just the man that helps people in podcasting. I'm just that British podcast guy. I'm the guy that's at all the events, walking the floor and chatting with everyone and buying people a beer because it's fascinating to, to, to listen to people. And, and I think that is the thing that I wish I'd known is that too many people, um, don't value being genuinely themselves. We talked about authenticity earlier. You know, be yourself. You know, being a communicator, being a human being is one of the best assets that anyone has, not only in business, but in every element of life. Be an empathetic person. I'll tell you a story which highlights this. Um, the podcasting events around the world, you know, we've been to pretty much all of them and we've spoken and we've exhibited. And for a while, and even to this day, a lot of the quote-unquote entrepreneurs in the space turn up at these events. But what they do is, on a night time, they slope off, and they always, oh, well, they don't even slope off. They make a deal of telling people that they're going to these private, exclusive dinners with other six-figure entrepreneurs, like the, the normal people aren't allowed to. And I, I, you know, It's those kind of people whose brands are now suffering. Because guess what? People don't want to be left out. People don't want to feel like that, you know, uh, just because you've given yourself that entrepreneur tag doesn't mean you're any better than the person that's making a pile of money over there that isn't shouting about it. You know, it, it, and, and, and that's the key thing is that be inclusive, be around people. You know, while all of these other things were going on, while we were seeing people do that at events, we were putting meetups on that brought 200, 300 people together. And we were, we were just having fun together. And the people I know and the friends that I've made because of that, uh, they are genuine friends, genuine friends. But guess what? They were also the first users of Captivate. You know, that you can't buy that. It's just it's being a human being. So don't underestimate the power of that. 
it's really an incredible thing. The just the power of being honest with people and authentic. And honestly, one of the things that people forget is just owning where you're at. If you're not at that level that these other people are at, but you approach them respectfully and, you know, you try to provide value to them wherever you stand, the majority of the time they will pour into you one way or another. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I'd also I'd also go the other way with that one is that if you feel that they're on a level that's different to you, it's probably because you're either insecure or that they are putting out that they are on another level. You know, some of the traits that you see with these entrepreneurs are, oh, I can't talk, I'm too busy. Or like I said, my friend Gary V, he's not your fucking friend. You've just, you met him at an event that you paid to attend and had him on your podcast, you know? And it's, so the, the, a lot of them, maybe a little bit less now because it's being called out a lot more, but a lot of people used to try and position themselves based on um what other what they believed other people would respect about them rather than building genuine respect mm. and i think it, it, it's a, it's 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 like building a temporary building you know the, if the foundations are shaky it ain't going to stand you're going to have to keep building and keep building and keep building whereas it's in, in the early days you put the foundations in it doesn't matter whether you change the, the the decoration or the finish or the roof or the you know the way this thing looks it's built on solid bedrock and it will not shift and that you know I I always had a problem in my youth about I used to think it was disrespect, but actually it's not. It's actually wildly the other way. It's actually too much respect. Sometimes I give people too much benefit of the doubt, and I I, I, I was thought was I was very naive to the fact that I thought that different people tr needed treating differently. So you know the kind of business person that was always posting how you know successful they were or. You know, they were always posting behind the scenes at these events with all these big gurus and, you know, they're paid to be at those events or they're an affiliate for that person. So they get brought in for free because they're selling this other person's stuff. You know, I used to think that in my twenties, you know, these people commanded more respect than the person that was working the dreaded nine to five. It's absolute rubbish, but they want you to think that so that they, you buy the stuff from their funnel. It's part of the game. All right. The genuine truth is that everyone deserves the same respect. All right. And this is why I've I've quit every every employed job that I've had up until being well, up until getting my company acquired, is because I worked in establishments where if you respected everyone the same, it wasn't allowed. I couldn't tell my manager that their idea wasn't good enough, but I could tell the person sat next to me that their idea wasn't good enough because hierarchies exist and it was rubbish it was rubbish so now and i always i've always done this and it's it's just caused it caused me to leave jobs but now it's an asset i treat everyone the same all right i i will i'm regularly meeting with apple and they get the same fist bump they get the same stick and the same sort of uh light ribbon about their shoes or what they're wearing as they give me and they'll get it the same as i give my friends and that my friends give me and the people that i work with we, we, we operate on the same level. The CEO of the company that, that now owns Captivate, you know, I'm the managing director of that business and I report into him, you know, the, 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 he gets the same. It's the, it's the same. So it's, it's, it's yeah, I, I hear what you're saying about levels, but you, you can't surely sell authenticity and then expect people to treat you differently because you're doing better than them.
doesn't they, they, they don't work together you know absolutely man so you kind of touched on this more towards the beginning of the interview but when it comes to captivate and what you have going on is there any kind of exit plan and if there's not an exit plan for you what's next for you what's the next project like what's coming to captivate next well i mean there there is no exit plan you know we we we, we captivate was acquired by 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 global um, media and entertainment huge 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 you know entertainment business here in the uk and and, and operates globally um and we could have left then, you know, we could have exited, we could have taken what, what we'd made and we could have stopped and we could have left and, and, and that would have been that. Um, so no, there is no exit strategy for that reason. You know, we, we, we are doing what we want to do. We didn't, we didn't become acquired by Glow because we wanted to sell the business and exit. We wanted to become part of something bigger. The, you know, the, the thing that no one tells you when you start a business is that you're going to be working 16, 17 hours a day and there's nothing wrong with that because you love it. And if you struggle with that, you know, you, you've got to handle that because it, it can get on top of you. And, and but you, you'll still love the thing that you do, and you'll never mind doing the hours. But it becomes unsustainable, you know. If you've got a young family, I, I, I captivate was acquired um, about two months before I had our, our first little daughter, and and you know that was it was a huge factor in my reasoning, and it, it was not to exit captivate; it was to enter family life and guess what i can work eight till five i can i can get can actually have a little bit of lunch without someone needing me on twitter because you know they need a support query answering instantly you know it, it's it's more about balance than it is about the exit so no i mean we're doing what we want to be doing and and, and we want to be doing it as long as we can to be honest because we're still we're still as enthralled by it as as, as ever you know absolutely man that's a that's a very beautiful thing. And I appreciate your authenticity there and, you know, being willing, being willing to stand in that decision. Cause that is something that nobody talks about. Everybody talks about building to sell or building to be acquired so that they can step away so they can retire early so they can do these different things, but nobody talks about how you can have your company acquired so you can actually find balance so that you can lean into your family and, and actually have it continue growing. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us here, man. No, thanks, man. Awesome, man. Well, what is the best way for people to get involved with you and see more of you? Oh, just over on Twitter, at Mr. Asquith. On Twitter is the easiest way. Um, just, yeah, everything, everything I do is like, that's where all my engagement is. So we can I can signpost from there, but that's the best place, at Mr. Asquith on Twitter. Awesome, man. Well, Thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything that I maybe should have asked you about that I didn't? No, that was very refreshing. It was it was wide ranging and, and very refreshing. It's unusual to get those type of questions. So no, I commend you for your for your for your, your, your technique and your skills there, man. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate that big time and I hope to collaborate again down the line. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode. Make sure that you subscribe to the show so you're never left out in the snow. Do you want to build a business or get more customers online? Are you tired of spending all your time shackled to your business? Tired of being treated like the court jester? 
Not anymore. You can get a care package from Trey today for just a buck that will help you beat shiny object syndrome with Trey's favorite tool list. Build your online authority and network with your own podcast and by being interviewed on other podcasts. Systemize your business with Trey's seven pillar system. Hire a VA to get your time back and so much more. You heard me right. All of that for less than the last Starbucks you got. Go to TreyCarmichael.us and get yours while it's hot. Check the couch for that dollar if you gotta.